One of my sort of basic philosophies of life has been that, that God's people should be some of the most hopeful, uh, positive people on the face of the earth because we, we, we have a relationship with God and, and, and our Creator through Christ. And it's just pretty amazing stuff. And, and that's certainly there are struggles in everyone's life but it, that should make us positive. However, that's not always the case, is it? Sometimes some of us have experienced, some of us may be experiencing it right now, just, just a hopeless feeling, just hopelessness. What, and what do we do with that? And how does that work? And why do we have that? And so forth. So like a good little uh, soldier, I, 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 I wanted to see what, what hopelessness officially meant. So I got a good dictionary definition here for you. Being hopeless is having no expectation of good or success, despairing, not susceptible to remedy or cure, incapable of redemption or improvement, giving no ground of hope, desperate, incapable of solution, management, or accomplishment. Just a hopeless, hopeless feeling. You ever had that? Kind of like the guy in the, like Jim Carrey in the uh, movie clip. Just felt like, man, just a hopeless feeling. Here's the thing. With a message like this, and I'm going to kind of bring you into my circle for a moment. This is, this is there will be people like, like a friend this morning in the 9 o'clock service no, didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. Oftentimes I'm queued up to something. Somebody shoots me an email or phone call and says something about something going on in their life, and, and I'm aware of it. But here's a guy that <clears throat> came to me afterwards this morning and this is a guy not prone to tears, and he said, this was really right on time for me. You have no idea. And I said, no, I didn't. So you may be like that guy. On the other hand, some of you right now are thinking, you know, this is great. I'm going to enjoy this and hopefully enjoy it or get a nap or whatever I do and check the, uh, check the British Open scores on my iPhone or much less desirable BlackBerry. And... Um, <laughs> But I don't really need this because life is good, man. I mean, I'm living the dream, baby. Life is good. Here, here's the thing I want you to think about. If you're, if you're in that position, first of all, let me just say, God bless you. Thank God for it. Enjoy it while it's there. And just, you know, suffering and hopelessness and stuff, that's not part of your deal right now. Great. Enjoy that. But, but do this for me. Just take what I'm about to say and just sort of file it away in the back. I'm not, I'm not here to be a prophet of doom or anything, but there are going to be times when all of us are going through some of those things. We need to kind of draw back and rely on something that, that maybe even Rich said on August the 17th or whatever it is, and, uh, or July 17th on uh, you know, 2010. Something that can really help during those times of hopelessness. So just wherever you are on that spectrum, just, uh, just kind of track with me on this. Um, but many of us know what it means to have that feeling of hopelessness. I, 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 you know, it might be physical. I, 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 I've been very fortunate. I'm, I'm a pretty healthy guy, but I'll never forget last fall. Uh, my doctor, who was here in the 9 o'clock service, and is a good friend and golfing buddy and done some wonderful things for me, threw a surprise party for me for my birthday and stuff. But uh, I, I'll never forget last fall. He came to me after one of our services, our third service. And he's a fun guy, and we were always just joking around. He said, I need to talk to you. Well, I knew it wasn't good because the way he, I know him well enough to know that. And secondly, 
Uh, he never says, I need to talk to you. And thirdly, I had just had my physical that week before. And he said, um, we've got a little challenge. Your PSA is a little high. Actually, it's, it's very high. And he went on and explained some stuff to me. And I was like, for that moment, and really for the next couple of weeks going through this stuff, there was just that tinge that many of you have experienced. For that moment, I'm just thinking, oh, crap. What's this going to mean? You know? Now, just so you know, it, it, everything worked out and through the miracle of, of medication and drugs and, and good doctoring and all the other kind of stuff. I'm, I'm in great shape. You know, I, I was expecting a great report, you know, low cholesterol, high testosterone, all the good stuff that you want. But uh, the, uh, so finally we're, we're, we're back and everything was fine. But for that, I, I don't know, it was a two week or a month period of time, there was that uncertainty. And, you just kind of, and, and here's the thing, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, some of you are looking at me and you're thinking, you don't know squat. You know, let me tell you what I'm living with. And I understand that. But I just had enough of a tinge to understand a little better where some, what some of you would deal with on a regular basis, maybe some health issues or, or maybe a, a, you know, high blood pressure or maybe even cancer, uh, where you, you have to deal with those things. And as a result, just, there can just be that, that, that little bit for some of us, for some, a whole lot of hopelessness that is there. What can I do? You know, and, and maybe it's financial, been with a lot of guys and ladies over the last two or three years. They're just like, and, and not whiners and not complainers, but you know, gosh, Rich, it's just, you know, I, I'm the one, the one safe pastor to talk to about finances because you'll throw numbers at me and I have no clue what you said. I, I, you know it's going to be confidential because I, I, I have no idea what you said. Um, but when somebody says to you, I'm down 50% of my net worth, I understand that, or 40%. And they're not telling you in a happy way. And, and a lot of you have dealt with that, that, that hopeless feeling of, of not being able to do anything about it. And, it's, and you say, well, it shouldn't matter. It does. You know, sometimes even worse than that, or as bad, depending on where your perspective is, it's family stuff, divisions, hard feelings, separations, in some cases marriages that just fall apart, or sometimes just as bad, they stay together, but it's not a fun place. And there's a marriage that's together, but it's hopeless. Wherever you are on that spectrum, hopelessness sets in, and it's just, what are you going to do with that? For some of us, and I think this is not, I'm not trying to compare the different kinds of hopelessness, but for some of us, it's just our hopelessness is just due to our own selfish, sinful actions that we've allowed to overtake us, and all of a sudden, we're staring down just a real hopeless situation because I'm just a dirtball sinner and because of some of the things I've done. Yeah, and that's not a good feeling either. Uh, I understand that as well. That's very similar in a different way, but very similar to what some of God's people were, were thinking and what they were feeling in 587 B.C. Oh, excuse me, for the politically correct. 597 B.C.E. You guys know what that means, right? I'm getting some blank stares here, folks. I mean, come on, get with it, would you? That's before the common era, okay? 
as opposed to what those of us who had real educations had, which was before Christ. Anyway, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being uh, uh, coarse here. Anyway, very similar to what God's people were feeling right around 580, uh, 587-ish B.C., circa 587 B.C. Um, they, were, they were basically had just been run over, uh, for lack of a better term, by a country called Babylon. It would be the first of many other tough issues to come. And they had this preacher whose name was Jeremiah, and he was, he was there. In those days, you know, the Old Testament prophets, they could also speak for God, much, very different than what we have today. Um, if I tell you God says, you know, I, I, and I'm quoting to you anything but the Bible, then you better, you better not listen too closely. Um, but he could do that. And a lot of the Old Testament prophets could do that. And I'm going to show you how he does that in just a moment. Uh, and here they are. And, and keep this in mind, all right? He, he's trying to give these people hope. Uh, he's, not, he's not received all that well uh, by a lot of the folks. In fact, at one point, they throw him in basically what is it, just a sort of a dry well. Let's throw him in the, in the ground because they don't want to hear what he has to say. You ever thought about doing that with somebody like the minister that's talking to you and you don't really want to hear what he has to say or she has to say? And you want to say, oh, you know what, I got a hole by backyard. No, I know you haven't been there. Anyway, they do that at one point. But here's the deal. He's got to give them hope. And, and we're not sure where his prophecy comes in here, but they're looking at 70 years of what we call captivity. Another word might be slavery. Uh, they've been conquered by battle. It's going to be at least 70 years. So somewhere along that spectrum, Jeremiah is talking, and we're not sure exactly where he's talking. Maybe it was in year two. Maybe it was in year 10. But, but, but just think about that. Here comes, here comes the pastor to your house. You've really got some tough things going on. You're in slavery. You've got all kinds of other stuff happening, and another country has conquered you, and, or, or, or you know, the Republicans are in control of the house, or whatever it happens to be that's really giving you great, great uh, angst. I'm joking about that. Um, Whatever, whatever is giving you great angst, and, and, and the pastor says, you know what, it's going to get better um, in about 20 years. I mean, I mean, if you say to me, hey, Rich, you're going through a tough time, give it a year. Okay, I can do that. Give her a couple of years. Okay, I'm good. Give it 10 years. Oh, come on. Give it 20 years. Oh, what? Give it 50 years. Dude, that would make me, you know. Um, you understand the point? He's got to give comfort. And they already know because of previous prophecies, this is going to be a long, this is going to be a long time. So he can't offer a guarantee. And we want guarantees. So that, that's the context in which he's about ready to deliver this, these great words of comfort that have, that have been comforting for generations. But we need to understand the context of that because this is just, uh, this is really good stuff. So here we go. By the way, you know, one of the sayings, let me just, let me, I, I just want to tell you this real quick. One of the things that we, we, we kind of come up with out of this whole thing, we've come up with different platitudes. We saw that on the, on the movie club, basic, you know, cliches. Remember this one? You ever heard this one? Um, the darkest hour is just before dawn. You ever hear that? Sure you have. I had a friend of mine did some, uh, did some work on that for me to try to figure out where that came from. Listen to this. Uh, it's one of those improving proverbs that, that are stock and trade of the contemporary glut of self-help manuals and talking therapies. The darkest hour has long been used figuratively to mean the lowest web. It, uh, it, it, was first, it first appeared in print in the 1700s. 
which is, you know, and, and then uh, according to one, one historian, the English theologian and historian Thomas Fuller appears to be the first to commit that notion that the darkest hour is just before the dawn to print his religious uh, travelogue, which was written in 1650. And that's not long after the printing press was invented. Gutenberg um, contains this view. It's always the darkest hour just before the day dawneth. And, of course, that was the first time it was found in print. So, uh, interesting point, to me, at least. I mean, uh, you know, I love history and so forth. But is, is that really help? Does that really help me when I'm in the midst of all this stuff? The darkest hour is just before the dawn. Come on, Rich, you know. The darkest hour is just before the dawn. Oh, great, when's dawn going to happen? I can, I, can look, I can look on my iPhone and know when it's going to literally happen, but I don't know when it's going to happen at this particular time. When it comes, figuratively speaking. So, so let's get to these people. These, 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 the God's people living during the time of, of Jeremiah. And, and let's see what he says to them. That is just, I'm going to show it to you in three different translations. Arguably one's not a translation, but we'll, we'll, for our purposes we'll call it that. And I want you to take this and I want you to just correlate it to your own life. And what's going on with you. Or what might be going on with you at some point in the future. Let's see what you think. Here we go. This is, first one is from the New American Standard Bible, which is probably the most literal uh, Bible we have in English. It doesn't always flow as well, but it, it, it's literal. It goes like this. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me. And find me when you search for me with all your heart. Key phrase. When you search for me with all your heart. Verse 14, I, found, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring, bring you back into the place from where I sent you into exile. Bring you back to your homeland. Now, New Living Translation puts it this way. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Watch this, watch this. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I love these verses because they just they put it right there where I can really understand it. Now, let me show you one more uh, before I show it to you. New, uh, new, it's it's going to be the message translated by a guy named Eugene Peterson, and I like the message. And, it, and arguably, some scholars say, "Well, it's, he takes a little liberty here and there with some of the translations." I don't know about that. Um, I like the way he puts it. It's just very practical. It means a lot to me, and it, it makes it, it gives me great hope. It's given me great hope over the years at different times in my life when I felt hopeless when I felt like my prayers really weren't going very far. And I felt like, you know, I didn't have a dog, but if I did, I mean, you know, as the movie clip, um, that, 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 uh, uh, that it, it, you feel like that sometimes. And um, this has been a great comfort. Watch this, the message. Here we go. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> this is God talking. I love this. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me and when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. 
Yes, when you, watch this, watch, watch, watch. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. And that's his translation of thus saith the Lord. He just said, that's God's decree. I love that. When you get serious about me, about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. And here's the thing about this, folks. We're not guaranteed when this is going to happen. We're not guaranteed a certain amount of time. And we're all, you know, I'm impatient. Yeah, we're all impatient trying to figure this all this stuff out. And the issue is God's on his own timetable. And we need to stop and we need to just figure that out sometimes. We don't know what that is. Whether I'm going through this right now or whether it's something I'm going to file away in the back of my mind for the future uh, with whatever might be going on. So the real question is, how do I trust God during these times? Without going through a bunch of cliches and, 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 and platitudes or whatever, how do I trust God during these times? And here's, here's what I want to tell you. Two quick illustrations on that. What do they, what do, they do? Every, every spring, I'm a baseball fan, many of us are here. Um, what do they do every spring in Florida and in, and in Arizona? They get together, spring training, what, six to eight weeks, what do they do? They play pitch and catch. That's what they do, just like we did with kids. They play pitch and catch, and they'll swing a bat every now and then. Uh, actually, a lot. Um, that's all they do. They work on basics. I just heard the story the other day, and, and, and it's, I realize I'm dating myself when I start talking about the great golfers of the world, but Jack Nicholas, they asked Jack Nicholas every year, they used to ask him, what are you working on this year? You know what he'd say? Working on my grip and my alignment. Every year, working on my grip and my, the most basic, whether you know, if you know golf, the most basic things about a golf game, your grip and your alignment, how you're lined up. Every year, Jack Nicholas would spend working on that, which is why he probably is the greatest golfer ever. Heard that here. Take it to the bank, okay? God's decree. There you go. Um, <laughs> um, they worked on the basics. Now, what do we need? We're in the midst of a hailstorm or firestorm or full of hopelessness, whether it be about health or family or relationships or just just my own sinful stuff that has caused me to get into a situation that I shouldn't be in, and it's my own fault, and I know it's my fault, and it even makes it more hopeless. What do we need to work on? How are we going to trust God through this time? We're going to go to the basics. We don't need a new formula. We don't need some new way of doing it. We're just going to go to the basics. Here are three very simple things. Just, just, just take it with you, real simple things. The first one is this. You're not going to learn anything new here. You're just going to be reminded, all right? You're not alone. You are not alone. You may feel like it. You may feel isolated. You may feel like, gosh, I, there's just no hope for me. There's just no hope for me whatsoever. You're not alone. God is right there with you. He tells us that a number of places. I am with you always. Jeremiah tells us. That's why I love what Jeremiah says. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you. I'm not going to abandon you. I may feel like it, but he's not. You're not alone. You know, and, and sometimes... Sometimes you've you, you got a plan B, and the plan B doesn't come through. Or maybe you're in a situation you don't even really have a plan B. That's okay. Not saying we shouldn't strategize. Certainly we should. But sometimes those don't work out either. You know what? God's still got that. He's still got that. 
whether that's plan A, B, C, D, E, or F, or whatever it happens to be. How do we trust God during these times? We remember that you, we, I am not alone. I'm never going to be in that tightrope of life without a net underneath me. I'm not, it's not going to happen because God's there. You're not alone. Number two, I will make this very, very strong statement, all right? Life is never, I try to stay away from that word, but I'm going to use it. Life is never hopeless. You say, well, I sure have felt that way. That's different. Well, I've sure seen some people, situations that seem, that's different. I'm saying, if you believe the Bible, if you believe in the authority of Scripture, even a little bit, you got to come away. It's never hopeless. I may not know how it's going to work out. I may not, I, I may feel pretty weird about stuff. I mean, those are all different issues. But it's never hopeless because we're connected to the God, the Almighty God of the universe through a relationship with Christ. And, and, and gosh, yeah, it can really seem like that sometimes, but it's not. Not if you believe, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you get serious about finding me. Now, that seriousness may involve a lot of things. That's, I'll tell you what's going to include. It's going to include, listen, and, I, and you know what, I, I love you being in church. I, I want you to come. I want you to make it a part of your discipline. You need to come to church, all right? Um, but it, 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 to get serious about God, it's going to take more than that. Maybe you don't want to necessarily hear that today, but you need to hear that. It's going to take more than just going to church. Maybe it's going to, you know, and certainly maybe you go to some of the groups that we talked, Clay talked about earlier, uh, some of them taking a break for the summer or whatever. Is that what we're talking about, Rich? Well, that, that helps. But it's going to take more than that. It's going to take some time on your own reading the Bible, other things about the Bible, about your, 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 your own journey of faith, time to pray, Get some people around you who can kind of speak into your life in that area. And those kind of, that's getting serious about this thing, getting militant about this, this, this thing of my of faith. You're not alone. Life is never hopeless. And the third thing I've already said, I'm going to say it again. You have a great future. God promises that. Decree from God. That God's decree. You have a great future. You really do. Your best year, I don't care where you are, I don't care how old you are, I don't care what you're going through right now, your best years are ahead of you. You got God. And, and, and you know what? I don't know how long it's going to take. <laughs> I'm not known for a lot of patience, um, but I'm getting better, um, I think. Um, but I remember one time years ago, Charlie and I, we were having some different issues, some difficult issues, mostly me. But, uh, and we, went, we were seeing this therapist, and then the first time we, a friend of a friend, a man of God, and so forth, and really just a, just a great, a good friend now. And so I went, to, the first time I went to, this is my first time ever to go to a therapist, and a, a really solid guy in Denver. And um, I was kind of a mess in, in a lot of different ways. I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, what's different? Um, LAUGHTER I really was. I was kind of a mess. In fact, I, just to show you what a jerk I can be, I, I, I said to him, we walked in there and did all the formalities. Hi, how you doing? How you doing? Yeah. And he knew who I was as a pastor of a church and, uh, outside, outside of Denver, out in the mountains. And, um, and uh, he, uh, I looked at him. I, I kind of, remember that scene in Good Will Hunting, if you saw that movie, 
where Matt Damon's there, and he says, you know, let the healing begin, you know? I was kind of like that. I walked and I met him, and I said, so how long is this going to take? <laughs> Can you believe that? I mean, what a jerk. And uh, he looked at Charlene, and he says, I'm going to pretend he's not listening. We'll know he's doing better when he doesn't ask questions like that, you know? And a um, few years later, you know, things were different. But we get like that, don't we? How long is this going to take? I don't know. I've had people, I've had the privilege of talking to going through some of these issues. And they say, how long, how long is this going to last, Rich? I don't know. I, you know, I don't have the, the ability to know that. But I know what could happen in the process. I know, I know God says, I got great plans to take care of you, not abandon you. I do know that. Plans to, to give you a future that you hope for. And when you call on me and you come and pray to me, I'll listen. I know that. So you have a great future, and God promises that. And when we're connected properly to God in a relationship through Christ, he gives us that unique ability to trust him. Sometimes for days, sometimes for months, sometimes for years. And that's what he promises us. There's this great, there's this great poem. Some of you are going to think it's cheesy. It's, I, mean, I know some of you think it's cheesy, this poem. Um, but I don't care. Um, it's a great poem. It's, it's, the, it's the one about they're walking along and they see, you know, two sets of footprints and then you see one set of footprints and, and, and come on up, you guys. And, and uh, we're going to sing the poem. For, they're going to sing the poem for you in just a second. Um, and, you know, it's, it's that, that poem. It's called the one, uh, one Set of Footsteps. And it's really a great, I love the, I love the poem, uh, prose, piece of prose. Some think it's cheesy, but, but, but whatever you think, I want you to get the, the significance of what it means, that, that, that footprints in the sand, that sometimes there's only one set of footprints and it's God carrying you. And uh, that's what this song's about. You'll see it. You'll recognize some of the lyrics, I'm sure, as uh, Sophia and the guys sing it. Let me pray as they get ready. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to have our trust deepened. For some of us, that would mean to trust you really for the first time and be able to come to you and say, Lord, I, I, I need your help. I, trust, I want to trust you, Jesus, who came and, and, and lived and died and suffered and suffered and died and rose again to give me life eternally and to give me a relationship with Almighty God. We thank you for that and help us, Lord, as we think about this whole concept, whether it's the fact that you're not going to abandon us, whether it's the fact that you're going to sometimes literally carry us through some of these issues. We thank you for the fact, Lord, you are there. Give us the ability to continue to trust you in that way. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.